Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the AAOF uh, clinical podcast series. I'm Dr. Andrew Pucker. I'm a fellow of the Academy. I'm also a diplomate in the cornea contact lens and refractive technology section, and today I'll be your host. I'm joined today by Dr. Justin Kwan. He is the man senior manager on myopia management at Cooper Vision, and we'll be discussing axial length targets in myopia control. Thanks, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks, Dr. Pucker. Um, so thanks for being on the channel today. Um, could you please just give us a little background on why this is an important study and kind of what's been done before that we should know about before we get into it? Yeah, I think the genesis was really um, how do we uh, explain MySight's efficacy in a, in a different way, right? Um, we already know it is very effective, uh, so much so, of course, it got the FDA approval nearly two years ago. Uh, but what if we could somehow look at um, normal eye growth uh, in children with myopia and children without myopia and see how it all kind of stacks up against each other. So this is just another approach because we did want to make everything as generalizable as possible, uh, knowing that this was a four-site international study. That first step was, are these kids like the kids in the U.S.? And secondarily, how, how effective is my site expressed in another way? So before we get into the paper, there's this thing that's kind of complex and I'd like you to explain, which is virtual cohorts. So could you kind of tell how the authors modeled the, yeah. the study to get yeah. to the goals of it? Yeah, we figured a virtual cohort was one, just needed in the first place because um, at the start of year four, we lost the control group. So now there's nothing to compare against on the y-axis, so to speak, in terms of efficacy against the control group because now all the children were wearing my site. That, that was the right thing to do, uh, to not deprive treatments from the control group any longer. Uh, but if, if there was a virtual uh, control group, we could then make comparisons and now calculate and for the first time, to our knowledge, quantify a four, five, six year efficacy of, of a treatment such as my site. So the way you kind of form a virtual control group is you have to understand in maybe a diverse population uh, how they grow um, in, in an untreated fashion, uh, right? So Brendan et al. et al. did a study where they looked, I think, included 63 eligible studies to kind of map the Asian and non-Asian eye growth by age, which I think is, is super uh, useful and important, actually. And step one of us comparing is we can't start comparing yet. We have to validate against uh, this Brennan model, uh, which we're very grateful to get to use and, and kind of uh, do it that way. So we looked at our eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds when they started the MySight study, unequal groups in each of those ages. We had to weight them a little differently, but man, they did fit this model very, very well. Almost, I would say too well, because one of our sites is Singapore. So I felt like our um, control group was just about 20% over to the Asian side, perhaps because of the Singapore group. Um, but we were able to validate the uh, control group and, and the treated group as, as well um, against this model. So that's cool. So what I think you did and what you're saying is that you took your MySight data and tried to make these other two big longitudinal studies look like that data, take some data out of that to make a cohort to compare to your study. So what did you gain from doing that? 
Right, so the two big studies you mentioned um, in the paper, it was the Orinda study and then the Singapore uh, study of, again, untreated myopes and emetropes and these population uh, cohort studies that are so valuable. And so the two comparisons that had to be made was the control group in the mycite study, were they like the myopes in the Orinda in Singapore study? And, and they were, and, and that was good. It was very similar, followed that trajectory. And now we have this mycite group that were treated with mycite that got this reduction in axial length elongation. And what are we gonna compare those against? Well, it was very fitting that we were able to compare them to the emetropes in the Orinda and the Singapore data set. And interestingly enough, they, their eyes grew in a very slow and measured fashion, very much like the emetropes. So that was exciting to see because we think of emetropes as, as the, um, I don't know that the goal or perhaps even the maximum um, that we, the ceiling that we could uh, achieve. So that my site was able to not only do better uh, than the control group, but as good as emetropes um, is really great to see. I think yeah. that's a really good point. So maybe my site and other products that are out there for myopia management are kind of maxing out how much we can slow eye length. Yeah. But that says that eyes are still growing. So how much should a practitioner expect their myopes to grow if they're growing at a normal pace? Yeah, it's very age dependence. You know, I think uh, the, the kids that are five to 10 years old, if they're under great myopia control, they should be growing about 0.15 to 0.18 millimeters per year. And if they're 11 and older, we should very easily be able to achieve 0 0.1, 0 0.09 millimeters, 0 0.08 millimeters per year. So it kind of makes me think of, wow, now that we have age by age, it's almost like setting a target IOP for glaucoma, right? We're following these kids every six months. And if, we're, if our target is emetropic eye growth, which is about 0 0.1 millimeters per year, um, at the six month visit, we should be seeing about 0 0.05. Right, And yeah. so if we're not, then we have the opportunity to make an adjustment. But I don't know if Dr. Bucker, you would agree that maybe the six month data point is too soon to make a decision because there could be growth spurts and we don't exactly know what the 12 month data point will look like. Uh, so in the context of changing treatment, um, this gives us like a, a six month target, a 12 month target, and maybe we'll do something at the 12 month if needed. I totally agree. In my clinic, six months is a data point. It's a good yeah. time for compliance check, yeah. but there's seasonal variations yeah, in eye growth right. that we need to care about. So I tend to not make a change for a year and hopefully not long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully longer <laughs> than that. Yes, but, yeah, um, very much so. Yeah, yeah. but mm. that's all great stuff. Is there any other uh, key points you wanna add before we close out today? I just think like there's just so many analogies to both treating myopia, like treating ocular disease, like treating even a medical condition. And I think all of this talk of like what's age appropriate or age normal growth, and it all kind of mixes into the conversation because what parent wouldn't want to treat a medical condition or what parents would let a medical condition get worse. And now we have some of these axial length targets to really um, celebrate successes with parents, but also just express some concern that we need to get on this, right? And we're with you every six months. And if we're reaching our goal, that's great, you know, and your child gets to benefit from contact lens wear at the same time. So it's really that holistic thing that this science uh, brings out. It, it really helps our conversations with parents. Amazing. So I, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Kwan, for being here today and also for Cooper Vision for bringing us this great research. And I'd also like to thank you all for tuning in today. Cool. Thank you very much.